0: Be patient. You know, I think that's that's the best the best advice. You know, perfect what, what you what the job you have in front of you before moving on to the next. You know, before you know, you can't go from crawling to running. You gotta crawl, walk, and then run.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. Today, I'm very excited to have my friend, Michael Emilian, the General Manager and Director of Complex Operations for Dania Point Marriott Hotels. Michael, welcome to the show.
0: How are you, Steve? Thank you for having me. Happy to be here.
1: Well, I'm happy to have you too. And just like you know, because I know you're a fan of this show, we jump into this the same way every time. So Michael, what was your first job in hospitality? My first
0: job in hospitality, I was 16 years old and I was a dishwasher at, on Einstein Bagels in Miami Lakes.
1: Oh, my gosh. Was that something uh, that you enjoyed doing right off the back? That seems like dishwasher. A lot of people started dishwasher on this show.
0: Yeah. You know, at, short answer, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, looking back on it, you know, it was, I would go in, you know, the, so if you're familiar with Einstein Bagels, you know, they, they close at 5 p.m. Uh, you know, I would get out of high school at 2.30 in the afternoon, Mm -hmm. so I'd be running, get there by three o'clock and, you know, start knocking out, you know, all the dishes from the morning service. My goal was to get out of there, you know, 6 p.m., you know, you had an hour after store closes to, to knock everything out, mop the floors, wash the dishes, prep everything for the next day, you know. So at first, you know, I would probably looking back, no, was it a fun job? Absolutely not. But, you know, when you're in high school, you know, getting a job where you're getting out at six o'clock, you can still see the sun when you get out of work. You know, not every not every high schooler has that luxury. Weekends, I would work early in the morning. But while all my friends were, were working at night at the movie theater and the mall, you know, I had my nights free. So, you know, looking back, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a pretty cool gig
1: so when you were doing that job was that something you said like man i really want to be in hospitality after that is that what you were studying or you're like i'm gonna do something else
0: so my brother worked there at the time my older brother so it's just natural you know for me to to get a, get my first job there you know I, I didn't need a reference they knew me all this from going in all the time having breakfast with my parents or whatnot but yeah for sure when i when i had that job i loved i loved hospitality i loved the the regulars that would come in every day to get their same breakfast. You know, the, the local, the local businessmen, businesswomen come in. You know, I loved, I loved the whole aspect of it. The, the people part of the industry.
1: I love it. So as you're doing that at Einstein's Bagel, did you ever make it to the front of house or are you always staying in the back? Of the I house? did. So on weekends I was front of the house because obviously I wasn't in school so I could mm-hmm. work more
0: than a three hour shift. So I was what they call the fronter so, or, or a busser, uh, you know, I would, Take out the trash, refill the coffee, things like that. And I would always find my way. You know, cashier had to go on break. I'll cover for you. Sandwich maker goes on break. Hey, I'll cover for you. And mm-hmm. probably messed up tons of sandwiches, tons of orders, hit a few of the wrong buttons. You know, whoever was running a menu mix after me. You know, it's probably like, what is going on here? <laughs> but yeah, I, I loved it. You know, I would, I would, I would always try to try to figure out the entire operation, you know? So Mm -hmm. I was kind of like that designated hitter, you know, on the weekends, you know, if someone's on vacation, I could fill in that spot. I was a utility player.
1: Well, I love hearing that. And it seems like you fell in love with the industry because of Einstein Bagels, because you go to FIU and you decide to study hospitality management, Mm -hmm. right? So how was that conversation with your family? Was it a conversation or was it just something I knew I wanted to do?
0: So I was actually a PR major when I first started FIU. And then uh, FIU at that point had this big uh, grammar exam if you wanted to get, you know, if you wanted to get into a school of mass communications and all that. And I was just like, wow, I was like, do I really want to study something where I'm going to be writing all day? And I was like, you know, for me, thinking public relations you know you're talking to people all day and you know you're at parties and showings and things like that but when it gets down to it it's it's primarily you know a writing gig you know it's your press releases and reviews and things like that and I was like you know what I was like I don't think this is for me I was like what other industry can I still have that social aspect you know talk to people make people happy you know get people together and I took an intro to hospitality class and the rest is history.
1: So as you're studying at FIU, are you working when you're at school or is it something you're just focused on, on getting through FIU because it's a great school, right? I know they got you doing a lot of different things there. Were Mm -hmm. you working or just studying at the time?
0: No, I was working full-time and studying at the same time. By that time I was at FIU, I had already left Einstein. I went to go work right next door at Starbucks. Mm -hmm. So at that point I was working, I was a supervisor at Starbucks and I was a server at PF Chang's and going to school full-time. Wow. So I was at, it was actually at that point, I was at Starbucks Dolphin mall, P.F. Chang's Dolphin mall as a server, and then going to school in Biscayne campus.
1: Wow. So you were journeying. So for listeners, that's basically, if you're not from the South Florida, Miami area, he's going from one end of the city to the other end of the city to study. And you hit every chain restaurant. So I'm excited. Maybe we talk about that afterwards as well. I'm curious about that. So you go through FIU, you graduate, do you start right away going into getting a master's or do you go into working
0: you know and i worked all the way through when i was getting my bachelor's degree at that point i was already i was already in my first front office manager role so luckily i had a boss at the time who was actually my boss now he was very flexible with me so i would work during the day take a break in the middle of the day, go to school, come back at night, work a couple hours. You know, I was kind of like that flexible scheduling before, before it became a thing. Yeah. But my days off were Tuesdays and Thursdays from my front office manager role. And that's when I would stack up school on uh, my classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I was pretty much, I had no day off for, for quite some time.
1: I was either so, school, school or work. So let me rewind that. So you started as a front office manager, which hotel were you doing this at? Was that your first hotel job?
0: No. That was my second hotel job. So I went Einstein to Starbucks. Then when I was at Starbucks, I applied at the Cadillac Hotel over at okay. Miami Beach. This is back when it was a courtyard. So I had interviewed for, uh, I wanted to get into front office because I was in uh, that intro to hospitality class and, you know, we we're t- doing a project of different different departments and whatnot and front office sound- sounded awesome. So I went in, I was on my second interview and I guess as I was going into that interview, the F&B supervisor who was previously in that role, they had just finished, you know, he had had lost his his position. So as I went into that interview, I sat down with with the GM, who's actually one of my counterparts in my current company now. And he told me, he's like, you know, uh, you could either leave here with a front desk agent job, or I could pay you 25% more and you could be the F&B supervisor overseeing the new Starbucks that we're going to open in the hotel. Mm. It was a no brainer. I took the F&B supervisor role. So that was my first hotel job, F&B supervisor at the Cadillac.
1: So you're um, at the Cadillac Hotel, and I want to make sure I say the name right. Is it Economos Properties that Yeah. you started e- working with? Economos Properties. All right, so Economos. And so for listeners, we're going to make a full circle, I think, here with Economos. But you're working at the Courtyard Cadillac, which right now is a beautiful hotel, guys. So if you ever visit the beach, I was just there for a nice visit. It's a great hotel still all these years later. So you get in there. Lucky you had Starbucks experience. You had Einstein's Bagels experience. You knew how to run the Starbucks. And how did you start moving up from there?
0: From there, F&B, you know, it was a, primarily a, a breakfast operation and events and meetings and things like that because they uh, they subleased uh, the dinner operation there. I don't know if you remember the Carabas that used to be up there. Yep, in I remember. Yeah, so they would take over for dinner. So I was working there, but I kept on finding myself, you know, migrating to the front desk. It would be slow at the restaurant and I would go in the back office, start answering calls. You know, people are dialing down to the PBX and you're getting the F&B supervisor picking up the phone, you know? you know, And I just kept on migrating towards the front desk and I, you know, I really enjoyed the front office operation. And then at that point, Economos Properties sold the Cadillac over to Hersha, who yes. now owns the hotel. And before the sale went through, Daniel Lamb, who's my current my current regional, he's the GM of the Hilton Garden in Fort Lauderdale Airport at that time. He offered me a position as his guest service manager, his front desk manager at the Hilton Garden in Fort Lauderdale Airport. At that point, I had no front desk experience, except for you know the off times that I would go answer phones or mess around on the PMS system. And he told me, he's like, you know what? He's like, I could teach anyone how to use a computer, but not everybody has the personality for the front office. He's like, come on, he's like, you'll, you'll learn the computer. Don't worry about that part. I'll teach you the rest. Come over. So I made that transition.
1: So what was that like becoming a manager, really, for the first time? Because it's different when you're a supervisor and you're kind of running shifts. When you first become a manager and are overseeing people, what was that like for you?
0: Especially going into a department that you don't know. And I don't want to say fake it till you make it, but I knew service. And, you know, service, whether it's in any business that, that you have, whether hotels, restaurants, you know, medical offices, whatever services, basics, one-on-one, you know, but learning the computer system. I used to have front desk agents that would be that would be training me how to use the computer system. And, you know, and, on, and the devil's advocate, I was the one teaching them on how to talk to people and you can't please and thank you goes goes a long way in this industry. So it was a little bit challenging at first, you know, there's a big learning curve especially when you're going from food and beverage to learning a whole PMS operation and right. you're you're running credit cards, you're blocking the house, you're, you know, you're you're li- b- blocking showrooms, you know, guests disputing charges, things like that. At F&B, you know, for me, it's service recovery at F&B it's you know, I'll give you a free dessert, people are happy, here's around the drinks. From office now you're you're looking at hundreds of dollars. Right. You know, people are spending times, however many rooms are, are, are in your building. You know, it get, it get, it get really expensive uh, service recovery uh, on the room side. So, you know, it was very challenging at first, but, you know, once I got the hang of it, you know, I, I like to think I did a good job.
1: Yeah. Cause it seemed like you did a good <laughs> yeah. job, right? You yeah. ended up moving up into another a director role, you know, and this is where I tell people in hospitality. If you actually just show work ethic and passion for what you're doing, you move up and become a director of front office pretty quickly and mm-hmm. you were at the Hilton Garden Inn. Again, a different one, right?
0: Correct, this was on out west in Miramar.
1: And so how does that happen when that comes on? Is that someone you know is out there or you see an opportunity because you're already so, with Hilton Garden Inn?
0: So it was the same brand and then I knew, so I had, uh, I had a friend who worked at that property and they told me about the opening you know, at that point, these were two properties that, you know, there were the only two Hilton Garden Inns in South Florida. I think there was one, but the one by the Miami airport was still around. Yep. This was before the Hilton Garden Inn brand exploded for Hilton, you know? So it was very like, you know, do I want to make that move? That GM knows my GM, the sales manager at my hotel used to work at that. It was kind of like the, the competitor hotel, mm. but you know, for me, it made sense. Um, you know, it was a, a bigger, a bigger title, more money at the time, closer to home schedule was, was working out for me at the time. So, you know, I made that move, uh, over there. there
1: I've never worked in a hotel like that. So what is it like working at a Hilton garden? And when you're a director of front office, are you really have any layers or are you really in the operation and you're helping make things happen, especially like if you're short in housekeeping or is it kind of similar to some larger hotels where you oversee the operation and, and do those things?
0: So at that property, there was no AGM. So director of front office is kind of like the number two of the mm-hmm. operation. we have a small F and B operation there. So I would, I think, you know, garden Inn. it's similar to the courtyard brand where it is a select service hotel technically, but you know, you still get that exposure into food and beverage, into right. room service, things like that. Where at that point it was a select service hotel. So I was, you know, we had no HR on site. No accounting on site so i was doing bank deposits i was doing accounts receivable accounts payable i was going over benefits with the house with the housekeeping and the engineering department you know helping helping them elect benefits you know i i think if it wasn't for my experience in select service if the transition to full service hotels would have been a little bit more difficult for me you know because select service it's you learn everything you know you you're all hands on deck you know like you said housekeeping short that day guess what i'm gonna go strip some rooms engineering if it's after 11 o'clock and engineering is not there guess what night audit go plunge go plunge a toilet you know you really you really learn about the operation in in select service you know it's all the all the layers get stripped away and and it's you and it's the guest and you you gotta make it right figure it out
1: i love hearing that we've had a couple people on that started that way and part of me is like man i wish i would have had some of that experience too because you're exposed to every department yeah when you're doing it yeah definitely so it's great. So you, you're doing well, you make that move to the competitor hotel, maybe ruffle a little feathers, but then you make a, an interesting move where you move to a different city. Like how does that come? Tell the so, story.
0: So actually, so I think, uh, so that from there, from the Hilton garden in Miramar, mm. Highgate hotels had made a transition over to South Florida. They got their first hotel in Miami beach, which was Hilton Cabana. And this was their first full service Hilton. Got it. So, I had gone back and forth on linkedin with the opening gm for that property uh ryan Sistar, who's now a vp over at peachtree mm-hmm. and me and him had gone back and forth the opening got pushed back a few times so i went in for the interview he saw my resume you know we talked he saw that i had hilton experience so hilton you no matter if it's a hampton inn or a waldorf they use the same pms system across across the enterprise whereas marriott's a little bit different because you have select service uses one system Starwood Properties use another, Full Service another one, and Ritz-Carlton. And it's like four or five different PMS systems in Marriott right now.
1: Yikes. Yeah, See, yeah. I didn't know that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I went in and I interviewed for the position at the Hilton Cabana and I got hired. The opening got delayed uh, for that hotel. So they had a task force position in New York City. Got it. Yeah. So they sent me up to New York where I, I task force twice in New York. Uh, the first one was the double tree It used to be on Times Square, a 700 room hotel. So you know, I went from working a small Hilton Garden Inn in Miramar, Florida, 150 rooms, to two months later, I was up on Times Square, 700 rooms. Uh, my first night was the the first night of the Westminster Dog Show, so that was <laughs> going on in my hotel. It's all these puppies and dogs running everywhere. I'm like, what's going on here? And that was my first first experience with a Union property. So that was a little different, a little different to adjust. It's, you know, different change of pace completely. You know, in New York, it's go, go, go.
1: Yeah. So when you got there, was it like, what is going on here? Like, I'm not used to this. Or were you able to just like hop in because you knew every department? What was it like?
0: So I, I, I hopped right into front office, but as a front desk manager, there's only, you know, being this a union property, there's only so much you could do, um, before you step on the front desk agent's toes. There's only so many luggage that you could help bag before the bellman tell you something. If you had a call out, you know, there's a certain process on who you call in to cover to cover a shift. You have to go on seniority order. You know, I'm I'm used to you know here in South Florida, I get a call out. I'll send a mass text to my front office saying, hey, who could come in? You no, know, over there, it's you have to call in seniority to see who could come in and cover the extra shift. And if you skip somebody, then you have to pay the person that you skipped because you know what if they could have come in to cover a shift. There was so many nuances that I was just like, for me, it was a a shock.
1: Yeah. I've never worked in a union property. And I know for listeners, it's very different. It's like, you don't step into someone's job if it's not your job, right? Is that kind of how it is? Yeah,
0: definitely. Definitely. It was was interesting. I stayed, I was there at Hilton Cabana and then, but prior to opening, they had another task force position and they sent me to the Park Lane Hotel right in front of Central Park. Uh, another mammoth of a hotel, 600 room hotel. And I was the front office manager. This industry is this big. My director of front office was uh, actually Avi, uh, Avi Yesowich, who is now the GM over here at the Good Time Hotel
1: with Heidi. Oh, wow. So
0: yeah, so it's full amazing. Yeah, yeah.
1: And that was really your first time kind of like in a luxury environment, right? Yeah. At that Park Lane. Was that something you're like, wow, I kind of like this? Cause you hadn't loved really it. ever been in that before.
0: Correct, yeah, I loved it. Loved it, you know, the the guests, the services, the, the standards. It was, it was awesome. And that property, you know, used to be owned by Leona Helmsley. So, so many cool stories you, you hear from, you know, you have the PBX who's been there for 30 years, you know, and Plo Bellman who have been there 25 years, you know, you have the, mm-hmm. the old fashioned, the doorman outside of your hotel on New York with the top hat and the big coat. And I felt like I was like a, in home alone, lost yeah. in New York. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, so you got that experience. And then you do open up the Hilton Cabana. like what, And for listeners, when the Hilton Cabana opened up, there was a lot of fanfare to it. It was a new hotel, first one to open up in a long time in a kind of a historic building. What was it like getting it open? Because not many people go through openings.
0: So it was interesting. You know, when that hotel opened, so the way that Hilton used to do things, when they would go to open a hotel, they would turn on your PMS system the morning of opening. So you build your system, you put your room categories in, you put all your all your info in and they click your your property on on that day of opening. So we had it all planned out. You know, I think we had, let's say, let's call it twenty five arrivals and we had two towers uh, at the Hilton Cabana. So we had all of our arrivals blocked into the tower that's closest to the ocean. Housekeeping spent the day making the rooms look perfect. You know, we had our big surprise for our first guest checking in balloons, confetti, everything. First guest arrives early. We were supposed to open open at check-in time is three o'clock. Hotel was supposed to open at three. The guest shows up at one o'clock in the middle of the the employee pep rally. So we walk the guest right into the employee pep rally. They're part of it, you know, confetti, everything. We give the guest the key. They go to their room. Key doesn't work. They come back down to the front desk. We rekey them again. They go back. Key doesn't work. And we're like, okay, this isn't normal. So it turns out that. Our, that whole building the keys weren't interfacing with the PMS system wow so housekeeping they had to give them another list they had to run back to another building start making rooms uh you know you're I think we had like one or two housekeepers that there was no stayover service of day. course yeah. running around our housekeeping director making rooms it was it was interesting
1: so day one you don't know who's coming really until you turn it on and then you have no keys for any of the doors is everyone running around trying to figure this out? Absolutely. You have friends. Well, well, you have
0: F and B. They're having a party in their restaurant. Friends and family coming to check out the restaurant. PR, the PR team, the media, the GMCVBS. There, everyone is there. And who's the one running around? The front office manager and the rest of the ops guys trying <laughs> to figure out what's going on here. Trying to trying to make it seamless in the background for everyone.
1: Well, you make it happen. You get open, and you do a good job there because you're there for a good amount of time. But then you move over into food and beverage. So I'm curious about that, right? You're on this path. I think for a lot of people, you know, they're on a path. They're saying, I'm going to become a director of rooms and I'm going to become a hotel manager and kind of go up. You've done it a couple of times now where you've now moved over to food and beverage again after kind of growing. How does that happen?
0: I was in front office. Uh, I was there for about a year and a half in front office. And then our restaurant partner was no longer in the building. So we were changing the whole F&B operation. When the old uh, F&B partner left, 75% of our F&B managers left with the prior uh, F&B operator. And then we had a new GM at that time. She saw my resume. She's like, oh, wait, you know, Michael has F&B experience. She's like, I have a genius idea. Let's put Michael in F&B. So I went back to food and beverage. I was there uh, for about eight months. You know, it was a new restaurant concept. It was me and two other managers running the operation there. And then that's when I got a phone call from my previous GM. Uh, He was over at the Raleigh now. Gilberto Garcia-Tunion.
1: Oh, yeah. We know Gilberto. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And uh, he called me. He's like, Michael, he's like, "Uh, I'm over here at the Raleigh. I have a front office manager job. What do you think about it? Loved working with him at the time. I loved what we did at Tilton Cabana. So, you know, when he called, I, I jumped and I went to the Raleigh.
1: And so the Raleigh you were working with SBE, right? When you S- get to the Raleigh? That was,
0: yeah, that was SBE.
1: So you make a change, you get to the Raleigh. And I want to actually learn about it because it hasn't been open for a long time. They're trying to get it remade and reopened. Yeah. But you join really a whole different kind of world than SBE. It's a very different operator than what you've been a part of. What was it like working at the Raleigh and with SBE when you joined? It was amazing.
0: You know, that I've heard stories of of what it was like to work for Morgans back in the day. And people tell me that the culture at SBE was similar to like when Morgan's was short club Mandry on Delano. You know, that was yep. at SBE we had, you know, it was the Redberry, the Raleigh, SLS South Beach. Everyone knew each other. You know, you were like the the cool kids on Collins. You know, the Raleigh was It's the grand dam of Miami beach. You know, the, everybody would come to see, to see the Esther Williams pool. The hotel at the time was owned by Tommy Hilfiger. So, you know, on any given work day, Tommy Hilfiger just walks into your lobby. We had the rock film an episode of ballers at our hotel. Nicki Minaj filmed a music video at the penthouse while I was there. This was my first, you know, my first exposure to the, to the South beach boutique hotels. mm You can imagine me coming from Miramar and Fort Lauderdale airport. I'm seeing all this and I was like, I was in shock, you know, for me, this, yeah. was, this was the coolest thing ever. I was living the dream.
1: Was it addicting to you? Cause I remember I worked at the Delano. Right. And so I remember it was like, wow, this is addicting. You see all the celebrities walking in. There's all the beautiful people are there. You know, people, your friends are calling you, Hey, can I get in there? Can you help me? Was that like that for you? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I got, a, I got a little story later about another hotel I worked at where that would be getting a constant daily call to go to the mm-hmm. pool. But at the Raleigh, yeah, it was, like you said, beautiful people everywhere, awesome. The creme de la creme. You know, you had the SLS South Beach where people would go to party and, you know, and bachelor parties, bachelorette parties. But the Raleigh, for me, that's where the real luxury was at. You know, that's where people go party at the SLS, but they would come back and stay with us. And we were able to make that, make make their stay special over here. You know, I had regulars, uh, John, John Leguizamo used to always stay over there. So it was just these conversations, and they would know you by by name you know it's, hey michael and welcome back or how are you it was amazing
1: you're there you're with hilberto who we love as well we got to get him on the podcast So hilberto you're listening we'll get you on here next you start to, to move up again and then you get part of another pre-opening team so walk me through that how does that happen
0: so uh when i was at the raleigh they had asked me uh to if i wanted to go task force over in california So I went to go task force at the Redbury in Hollywood. I was right on Hollywood Boulevard and Vine Street, across the street from Capitol Records. So I was over there probably for about a month and a half. And then that's when Gilberto called me. He's like, hey, Michael, he's like, you know about SLS Brickle, right? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be beautiful. You know, the whole 54 stories, rooftop pool, Jose Andres, Michael Shorts restaurant. Uh, He's like, what do you think about being the front office manager there? I was like, absolutely. I was like, you know, I I don't want to leave your team. I love working with you. He's like, no. He's like, don't think about me. He's like, you know, if I were if I were to have you work with me, that would be selfish. He's like, you know, I think this is a great offer for you. I think I think you should you should really consider it. So I went in for that first interview and I, you know, I love the team. You know, they kind of when they when they got that opening team, they they kind of they brought the director of operations from the Redbury, the chief engineer from the Raleigh, they brought me over from the Raleigh. So it was, you know, I already knew most of the most of the operations team and we all went together uh, to go open that project and Yeah. And I mean, that was a beautiful hotel.
1: So what was the experience like getting a downtown brand new SLS? Because the SLS really grew fast. What was it like being a part of that team that started in this brand new building, giant tower, putting things together? I heard it might have been challenging when you guys were doing it. Absolutely. So that
0: that tower, you know, opening that building, you know, there was a lot of high expectations. This was and, you know, this is Brickle right when it was getting through that big boom. It was. At that time, the two big openings were SLS Brickell and East Miami. We opened up within a few weeks of each other. Right. So all eyes were on us, you know, all media, travel and leisure, Condé Nash, GQ, you pick it. They were, they were there. They were at the hotel. Grand opening party. We had Boy George perform up on the rooftop, uh, on the fifth floor pool, that that rooftop. Expectations were high. You know, this was uh, related groups. First, first hotel with SLS. You know, so there were big expectations, you know, it's not, you know, it's, you're, you're working on a, a Monday morning and you have all these, all these investors coming in, you know, asking questions and you don't know what to say, what not to say. Right. Um, you know, so it was, it was interesting to say the least.
1: So you're there, you get the place going, but then you make an interesting move. How does that happen where you go to one of my favorite hotels, you end up at the standard. How does that change happen? Do you go looking or they come calling? They came
0: calling. So I was over at SLS Brickle and Erin uh, Hostler, who at that time, she was the GM at The Standard. I think now she's with Soho House in Austin. She messaged me on LinkedIn and she was like, hey, you know, I'm at The Standard now. She's like, uh, you know, I'm looking for a director of rooms. Do you know anyone?
1: Of course, That's the way like, to do it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I was like, uh, right here, pick me. So she she tells me, you know, hey, you know, come let let's get together. Let's get together for lunch. Let's talk about the role. You know and let's see if it's a good fit so you know i went over to the standard we sat down we already knew each other because when i was opening hilton cabana hilton cabana was actually supposed to manage the nautilus when it opened got it. so she was the pre-opening gm for the nautilus so both of our pre-opening offices were right next to each other over on purdy avenue right above purdy lounge so we knew each other for a couple years and then when she had the opening for director of rooms i made the move you know, I think at that point, you know, I'd been a front office manager well, a little bit over five years. And I had told Gilberto, you know, when I go to SLS Brickle, you know, that's that's the last front desk manager job I want. You know, I think I'm ready, you know, to take on more responsibility. Mm-hmm. And when that when that call came through, you know, it was kinda kinda heaven sent, you know, so I made that move over to the standard. You know, it was already it was more in the boutique the boutique realm. I was familiar with the Andre Balaz, obviously, who used to who used to own the Raleigh. You know, he founded the, uh, the standard brand, you know, so it's very similar, similar clientele, similar style hotel, big in fashion and arts and things like that. So, you know, it was, it was an easy transition for me. I love that hotel. I would say that hotel was probably the one where I would get a call every day. Hey, Michael, can I get into the pool? Can I go to the <laughs> pool? You know, it's just a magical place to
1: work. Yeah. At. Still one of my favorite places to visit never been in the back of house but it's your first time being on the exec committee too so when you become director of rooms you're on your first exec committee was that something that was what you expected or was it different than you expected when you started that role i think it was
0: everything i had hoped it was going to be just being a part of those meetings you know being a part of you know making the call of you know what what the future has for the property you know future planning budgeting employee events policies procedures i fell in love with the role being able to make such a big uh, such an impact you know when you're a front office manager yes you have an impact but you're impacting your 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 team of 6 right. 10 12 people when you're in the exec committee you know you're making an impact for for the entire property you know for the future of the property you're dealing at this point you're not dealing with your your gm only you're dealing with owners you're dealing with investors you're dealing with the
1: brand and so you're doing that and this is where i'm curious because this is why i was excited to have you on the show because i've had some short stints in hotels where it's just not a right fit or you know i'm loyal to people and people go and take me places so i'm curious you had a little bit of a short stint here right under about a year at that place but then you make a move to a great hotel at the conrad what was that decision like for you
0: so there was a few a uh, few things going on at that time the biggest change going on in my life was I was going to be a father for the first oh, wow. time
1: that's a big so, one so
0: yeah so that that south beach lifestyle probably wasn't conducive to, to what was what was in the pipeline this position over in brickle opened up my director of sales from SLS brickle uh steven encinosa who's now at the the Hyatt Regency in Miami he called me and told me hey you know we have this opening over at the conrad i think you would be a good fit for it you know why you know why don't you come come check it out I told him I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm about to have a kid. I was like, I don't know if this is the right time to make a move because, you know, uh, what if what if it's not the right, what if I'm not the right fit? Or what if, you know, all you start thinking all these crazy, what ifs, it's never a good time to, it's never gonna be the right time to A, have a kid, never gonna be the right time to leave a job. You know, so I made that leap of faith. I met with Sean Flanagan, who was the GM at the time. And the rest, the mm-hmm. rest is history with that role. You know, I think it was it was time for me to go at the standard. We had a little transition uh, in management. You know, there's a, a change of vision for the property, you know, and, and the position at the Conrad opened up. And I was like, you know what, it's a, it's a premier property in Brickle. It's probably the first premier property after, you know, along with the Mandarin Oriental. You know, having that Conrad uh, on your resume, you know, learning those luxury standards, that's going to you can't put a price on that.
1: That's true. You get a lot of good learning going at those luxury hotels. Yeah. You know, but I'm curious too, because you have a lot of people now who it's more common be kind of jumping around a little bit. When you see someone's resume like that or someone asks you your opinion, what's something you tell them about that? So, you know, I, when I, when I think of, you know, ju- people jumping
0: around and things like that, you know, it's, if you're making a lateral move, I think you would have to think twice, you know, but now if you're going to, you know, there's other other factors you have to take into place, you know, is it a bigger company that you're going to obviously the financial, are you making more money? Mm -hmm. When you're making this move? Is it a better quality of life? What's your work life balance going to be? You got to think of those factors. And you know, I, I think if you're if you're making a lateral move, working the same amount of hours going to a smaller company, maybe not might not be the best decision. But if you're going to a bigger company, You know, if you're going to get more exposure, more room to grow, Mm -hmm. um, then, you know, I don't see nothing
1: wrong with it. I think that's good advice for a lot of people out there listening, because I get that question a lot, because my resume is kind of like that, where you do two years, one year, a year and a half, two years, and then you kind of land in places that you feel comfortable. But you do well here. You're learning luxury hotels. What was it like for you when you got to that? Because you touched it at Park Lane for a little bit. What was it like being at the Conrad in that kind of luxury world?
0: So at the Conrad at that time was actually the first Hilton luxury branded hotel that was a franchise. It used to be managed by Hilton. And at this point it was managed by HEI hotels. So when HEI took over, you know, they were looking for someone that had Hilton experience. Mm-hmm. Obviously I'd worked at two garden Inns, I worked the Hilton cabana. So, you know, it was a easy transition. I knew the area I opened the Celeste Brickle. For me, it was like a, it was a per, like a perfect match going to that property. But, you know, when I pulled up those standards and I was, and I started reading and I'm looking at, you know, all the arrival standards, the turndown, you know, first, this is my first time dealing with turndown service. And
1: there's remote uh, control by the bed, the mat on uh, the piece next to the bed, right? Five, Curtain five, down. five
0: different pillows that they could choose from, uh, yeah. automatic curtains. Yeah. You know, all was, the little
1: fun touches yeah. that you have to memorize.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was, how many times you said from thing so little from how many times you say the guest name to to the follow up calls or when you're taking the room service order asking permission to enter the room and if your if your room service delivery doesn't have a live flower on your tray you lose points on your standard audit uh, you know so many different standards that you had to learn and you know I think that definitely made me you know, a better hotelier. And for me, it doesn't matter now if I go, you know, if it doesn't matter what brand I'm working at, you know, limited service, boutique, luxury, extended stay, you know, that's standards you take with you forever. And, you know, and having more standards and being more, more, more strict on the service you're giving, you know, it's only going to make you better at what you do.
1: So did you like having that kind of pressure to hit those standards and hit the shops? Cause not, it's not made for everybody. Was that something you were like, all right, I'm going to learn this and really get on it or you're like, all right, I kind of like the lifestyle where it's a little bit more personal and not about all the the standards. I loved the standards. The only thing I would probably change
0: in hindsight, you know, it's, being so focused on those on those guest scores you're only as good as your as your as your score audit you know if you have a guest that had a bad stay and they give you a bad score it doesn't matter how great the service was you're only as good as your score so Mm -hmm. that's what made that transition from an independent property to a branded property over at sls brickle the raleigh the standard i would do my job guests are happy the hotel's making money and i'm great right over here at the conrad if people are having fun we're making money but we get a bad survey not so great.
1: Mm-mm. Action plans. Give me your action plan, Michael. And, what happened?
0: Oh, absolutely. Action plan for everything.
1: Yeah. So you're there. And, you know, I like the this. Another change comes along. And you become director of rooms at the Como Hotels and Resorts on Miami Beach. So how does that happen? So I was at the at the Conrad. My son at that point
0: was, he was born. I got that job in January. He was born February. So he was less than a year. So at the time the Conrad you know I remember my son's first year of life and I would be I would I would leave the house by 7 a.m my son was sleeping I would get home seven eight o'clock at night my son was sleeping and I feel like that whole first year I missed my son you know he grew up he's already a one-year- old and I was like you know what I love this property I was like but you know this the, the property needs you know needs someone that's gonna gonna be able to give it what it deserves. You know, going that from that transition from me managed to a Hilton over to a franchise, there was a lot, a lot going on in that transition for the staff, for the team, for the building, for the brand,
1: for the Mm -hmm. management
0: company. And I knew a lot about the Como, you know, for years, Como was number one, uh, and all the reviews you've read of Como, you know, no one ever knew what Como was about, but if you were in the industry and you knew Como because Como was number one and.
1: And for listeners, I want to hop in. If you haven't heard the podcast with Javier Beneto, you should go back and listen to it because he was the opening general manager of the Como, and you could hear how passionate he was about the hotel. But I want to hear about your experience there, Michael.
0: So I saw the position at the Como. You know, I loved my time in uh, Independence at Standard uh, SLS. And, you know, I, I, I saw that position open up, and I applied for that role. And I went in for a few interviews, uh, I had two interviews by phone. And then I went in for an interview. And this is when I, when I fell in love with the role, I met with the uh, managing director, Tapa Tibble, who's mm-hmm. the, he's the the managing director for the Americas for Como, who he was in town for Art Basel. And I told him, I was like, look, I was like, I'm, I'm busy this week. It's Art Basel. I know you're in town. I was like, the only time I'm available is Saturday night, nine o'clock at night. When I get out of work, I can meet you at the hotel. He said, you got it. Come meet me. Wow. I said, okay. I was Why? like all right so I went me and him had uh, had a long conversation you know and I think me and him hit it off you know he had he had uh two young daughters at the time so you know I he, he, I think me and him you know our values really aligned you know family was important for him you know quality of life you know the Como brand is all about the having quality of life you know the the story of Como hotels it's a family run business C O M O Como Hotel stands for Christina Ong Melissa Ong the mother and daughter who founded the company and just their their mantra of, of the company, you know, it's definitely something that I loved. 74 rooms, uh, you know, small boutique, high-end property. You know, I think the stars were aligning. You know, when I was at the Raleigh, you know, my Michael Shorts was just finishing his stint at the Raleigh. Uh, when I went to Celeste Brickle, Michael Schwartz had his restaurant at SLS Brickell. I went to the Como. We had train more by Michael Schwartz restaurant opening up, so I felt like the star the stars were aligning with me. I think it was meant to be.
1: Yeah, I gotta go with Chef Michael Schwartz. Well, shout yeah, exactly. out to you, Chef Michael.
0: Yeah, so you know, I went in went for the interview, and yeah, and and I talked to Tapa, and I told him I was like, look, it's it's our Basel. We have the holidays so coming up. I was like, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna leave my job. I'm not gonna leave the old property in the middle of the holidays. I was like, you know, I, I need to give about a about four to five week notice. That's for me, that's only right. You know, if 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 I was working for you guys, I wouldn't do the same. I wouldn't do that to you. I wouldn't leave you high and dry in the middle of the holidays. And he told me, Take as take as long as you need. He told me. He's like, You need four weeks, you got you need five weeks, you got it. You know, so I, I went back home, I talked to my wife and you know, it was it was a no brainer move for us at the time. And then, yeah, from there, I was two years at the Como. we made it, you know, we, we went through a pandemic together, Uh, I got down, it went from a team of about 70 employees to a team of 12 when we reopened the hotel, you know, I went from, from being the director of rooms to being the houseman half, half of the week, stripping rooms, I went when the, when the beach was closed down, when the mayor said Miami beach is closed down, I went to being overnight security. I remember having uh, to water, water the grass around the pool during the day, um, you, know, you name it. You know, we had no valet parking, so we were, we were having guests self-park in front, of, in front of the hotel, and I was taking luggage up to rooms. I had no front desk agent, so HR would cover a few hours in the morning at the desk. Director of Finance would cover lunch, and I would cover the PM shift. It was a magical property, honestly, you know, I I, that's a brand that I I hold near and dear to my heart. Uh, I've never worked at something like that before. You know, it and the beauty of that property was people would never understand how that property would compete with the likes of St. Regis and Edition when it comes to service. Um, yeah, not the amenities. We weren't big, weren't flashy. We didn't have uh, the big rooftop pool or the the loud bars or the speakeasies that some of these hotels have. But you know, the service that you got at the Como when you checked in, we knew you on a first name basis. And before you got to the hotel, we've already googled you. If we were able to, we were. We found you on social media. We knew when you got married. We knew where you celebrated your birthday. When you checked in, we had you know, you had pictures, if you're traveling, uh, you know, we had a guest experience coordinator and we, we would get all the details, you know, who are you traveling with? What's the purpose of your stay? And, you know, and everything was so personalized to the T at that property that, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to replicate something like that. Yeah.
1: That's what I loved about that hotel is that you knew everyone coming in, you could see who they were. It was 74 rooms. So you could give that extra touch to everybody. So I love to hear that you still were doing that there, even during the most challenging time ever. Do you still yeah. find yourself close with those people that you work with? Because I found myself like I forged those friendships during that crazy time. Absolutely, uh, I, I still,
0: for. yeah, I still talk to to a big handful of of those people from from that property.
1: So then, w- what starts happening now? I, cause I know Como has closed down. Is that what started to trigger your change in career, or is there something uh, so, else?
0: Happening? At that point, no, Como still hadn't hadn't closed. At that point, at that point, I had I'd been in contact with with Daniel Lamb, who's my my boss now, who was my GM back at the Hilton Garden Inn Fort Lauderdale Airport back yep. at the very beginning, and he was in the middle of opening up property I'm currently at Marriott and an AC hotel up here in Dania Point.
1: So, for listeners, give a, a round. Of, what is Dania Point? What is that? Because it's all new, kind of coming so up. So right
0: back in the day, this used to be a, th- a theme park called Boomers. So big wooden roller coaster off 95, and in the past couple of years, developers have bought the land, they flattened it, and they've built a big outdoor mall. Uh, they partnered with Kimco, who's a big developer, uh, same company who developed LA Live over in California. So now this is a whole—it's we're like our own little city here. You know, you you could live, work, and play in Dania Point. You know, you have grocery stores, you have apartments hotels movie theaters improv bowling alley restaurants you name it you got it here over in Daniel point so at that time me and him had stayed in contact and i saw he was hiring for different positions over at this complex and i was actually referring people to him you know because i was happy at the como i was i was loving mm-hmm. life over there and i was referring people over to him and then he told me he's like hey you know you keep referring people he's like have you ever thought about you for this role and i was like oh i was like me, I was like, I didn't think about it, but let's talk. So me and him, uh, we met up at a sushi sake over in Miami Lakes. Uh, never forget it. And we, we met for dinner. We had a two hour dinner, caught up on life. And yeah, and fast forward a month later, I got my offer letter. I went back to Como. Uh, I told them what was going on and, you know, they were ecstatic for me. Very, very supportive about the move. and. And yeah,
1: and here I am. So then you become the opening general manager, and this, listeners, is why hospitality is such a small world. And if you haven't heard that, it really is because you're back at the company where you started at yep. EconoMOS Properties, yep.
0: the with, same company that gave me my first front office manager job, full and the circle. same,
1: yep, and the same leader that you work for, mm-hmm. right? That uh, were you in contact with him all the time? Was he like a mentor, yeah, I mean, or was he, it yeah, like we, just checking in here and there?
0: No, we stayed in contact. We would, you know, uh, pick ideas off each other. You know, if he needed a, a certain vendor, I would refer him who I'm using. He would tell me who he's using. So we stayed in contact, you know, maybe not as often. Um, we would talk, but, you know, I would say probably a couple times a year we would talk. And then through Facebook, you know, you feel like you're in contact with everyone through Facebook.
1: Mm-hmm. So you start as the pre-opening general manager for one of the hotels, right? Correct. Correct. And so you join, you do another opening. What was it like now as a general manager? Because you are the main man and you've had a very quick career path, even though sometimes it feels like you're in positions a long time in the scheme of life, you're still a young guy and now you're GM of a a nice hotel. So what was it like when you finally sat down in the chair that, that first day?
0: When I sat down, I was uh, his first hire for, for these properties and he had been working on this project on his own, probably for the, like two years prior he didn't hire no one obviously pandemic hit construction slowed down the supply the supply chain shortages happened so when my first day in the office he gave me a hard hat he had sent me a link on amazon to buy some construction boots and he gave me he gave me a stack of papers he's like i need you to start calling vendors i need you you know open an account with HD Supply, open an account with Cisco. Uh, we got to start placing these orders because God knows when we're going to get these supplies. Marriott has tons of support when it comes to opening hotel. There's, there's a hotel. There's a person to call for everything. That's good. Yeah. And so, you know, I started this role walking, you know, going through construction, you know, when it was hard hat, boots, you know, there was, it was bare. It was nothing but, but walls in the hotel, you know. So I went through that whole process with him the hiring of our executive committee our managers task forcing at another hotel in the company actually with my first gm the first gm that hired me at the cadillac wow uh, mauricio martins who's now the area for our company in miami i task force with him uh after i got hired you know so just helping out where i can during the pre-opening stage you know just going through the whole par levels the meeting with uh all my different vendors you know uh, opening uh, it was natural for me to help out you know the AC and the Marriott if you've ever been here, it's a it's a dual branded complex, but they're connected through a middle tower. So both hotels share the same pool, share the same fitness center, they share the same event space. So it was a natural progression for me to you know if I'm ordering linen for the AC hotel, I might as well order linen for the Marriott hotel while I'm at it. you know I, we we have the complex accounting department. we have a complex F and B director complex housekeeping manager so it was a natural progression for me to for me to help out you know with the marriott and then you know beginning of last year uh finally got promoted to be the gm and the director of ops for both
1: so now you're overseeing both mm-hmm. let me just ask did the keys work on the first day
0: they did thank god
1: yeah <laughs> okay, so you got yeah. that problem figured out you yeah i said
0: it. i said i was not gonna make that mistake and we we were running this like a live hotel two weeks prior there was no guests in here but i had my front desk manned 24 hours, two weeks prior, and you know, that seven? We had a we had a 7 a.m. shift, a 3 p.m. We had the pre-shift going on. I had housekeeping here on a normal schedule. We had security. We ran it like a like a hotel with no get a zero percent occupancy for two weeks, just so that we could work out all the kinks prior to opening. I exactly. said, least, uh, "Hilton's Cabana is not going to happen to me twice."
1: I love to hear that you took that experience and you made it into a positive. Now, Absolutely. now you're running two towers. I've been in a hotel. That has had two towers with two different concepts. Do you run things differently for each tower? Or are they pretty similar in the way you do it? So the
0: processes are are similar, but you know, obviously AC hotels is a uh, has a different set of standards and Marriott full service hotel. You know, there's different different amenities over at the Marriott. We are we're a three meal three meal restaurant, uh, bar open uh, opens at 10 a.m. every day. You know, AC. If you've been to our AC, if you've been to another AC, uh, this AC hotel, it's uh, I call it an AC on steroids. The pool, it's a, it's a resort style pool. You have a full kitchen. You know, typical ACs have a turbo chef in their mm-hmm. kitchen. Uh, over here, we we run a, a full a full kitchen, same as the full service side. They run it over on the AC side. Valet parking, bellman, housekeeping. You know, typical ACs, it's housekeeping service every other day. Over here, it's service every day. We have pm housekeeping we have overnight housekeeping we have in-house laundry here so it's not your not your typical operation you know it's uh it's
1: like running two two full service hotels yeah it sounds like a resort that you've got kind of going on over there because you've got 350 rooms total big amenity deck a lot of things happening and yeah. a great mall and restaurants surrounding it so exactly. I've been there, and it's, it seems to be awesome i haven't stayed with you yet michael okay so maybe we'll change know. that let me know so you're you're doing great you got a bright career ahead of you. I know you're going to continue crushing things because you've only done great things in your career. But if young Michael was coming out of Einstein Bagels today and he was trying to join your team, what advice would you give him on his first day?
0: Be patient. You know, I think that's that's the best the best advice. You know, perfect what what you what the job you have in front of you before moving on to the next meal. You know, before you know, you can't go from crawling to running. You got to crawl, walk, and then run
1: think that's great advice for anybody starting in the hospitality career well michael i think it's a good point to end our conversation if somebody wants to get in touch with you what's the best way for them to do that
0: uh linkedin would would probably be the best way you know it's linkedin.com slash michael hotels
1: well michael i appreciate you taking the time today i'm very grateful you spent this hour with us and i know the listeners have definitely learned a lot from your journey thank you so much steve it was a pleasure this podcast is brought to you by biscayne coffee Biscayne Coffee was founded with a giving spirit and a big idea to enjoy delicious coffee roasted in Miami while helping save Biscayne Bay and the animals that live there. As a former food and beverage director, I can assure you these are some of the best quality beans on the planet. 10% of every coffee sold is donated to nonprofits to help preserve Biscayne Bay for all to enjoy. Visit BiscayneCoffee.com today and use promo code MENTOR at checkout to save 10% on your first order. Drink good coffee and create a good outcome.